There is a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that I have pondered uh, for years and years. It says that God has put eternity into man's heart. And so, does anybody, if you, if something weird happened to me when I hit about 32, 33 years old, maybe you recognize this, I started looking in the mirror and I started noticing that my hair was a little thinner than it was the day before. And I started to notice these wrinkles right here and wrinkle, you know, all these sort of things. And a few years later, my hair is almost all gone. And you know, when you're young, you just don't think that'll ever happen to you. Or you think, you just, you think you're invincible when you're young. But then as you get older, the aging process starts. And it's, you start to dwell on your, <laughs> on your mortality. And you're like, I'm not going to live forever. And why is it that we become, uh, we, we get nervous when we experience aging, when you get the gray hairs or the wrinkles? Or why is it that we, um, what, that we get nervous when we recognize that we are not eternal? You know, one of the things growing older is recognizing that we're not going to live forever, and that's a difficult thing to come to grips with. Etern God has set eternity in our hearts and so it's frustrating to us when we recognize that we're not eternal. We're continuing today in a sermon series called This Is Our God. And we're studying the attributes of God. What is God like and why does it matter? And while we look at our own lives and we go, there's something in us that longs for eternity, but we feel like we just can't grasp it when we think of our own lives. But when you look at God's character and His attributes portrayed in the Scriptures, we see that God is eternal. And the very first words of the Bible, Genesis 1, reveal to us that in the beginning, God. Before anything was, God was. Before anything was created, God was there. In the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That means the beginning and the end. And who, I am who is and who was and who is to come. I am the Almighty. You see, the teaching of the Scriptures attests that God is eternal. He was not created. He always has been and He always will be. And I believe we were created with a longing for eternity. Ecclesiastes 3, He has set eternity in our hearts but we're not eternal. We long for it. But I believe that this is one of the most comforting truths in the world to know that God is eternal because I believe that can give us comfort when we rec in the moments when we understand our own finitude. And I believe that the eternal nature of God is a truth that we can hold on to during a pandemic, during a contentious election, during the difficult and uncertain seasons of life. God is eternal. And our text today is Psalm 90. It's one of the oldest psalms in the Bible. It's literally right in the middle of your Bible. And it was written by Moses. And he was in his old age, and he was looking back on life, and he was looking back on the character and who, uh, of God and who God was. And look at what he says. Verse 1, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep the days away as a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. You see, before anything else was, God was. Moses goes on in verse 10, he says, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, maybe 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. Our days are soon gone and we fly away. Moses says, hey, look, our lives are short. They're just a vapor. At best, we live 70, 80, 90 years. And some of those years might be good, right? Like some of our years are good. But many of our years are like 2020. (laughs) See, but even then, even our best years have struggles in them. And our struggles make us long for something more. And Moses says in verse 12, God, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, what does it mean for God to be eternal? Here's a definition we're going to be working with today. It's very simple. It is this. For God to be eternal, it means that God has no beginning or end, and He exists outside of time. God has no beginning or end, and He exists outside of time. So let's unpack that for a moment. God has no beginning. That means He's before all things, and He he exists outside of time. So let's ask the question, what is time? So I'm going to have to get philosophical for a moment here. Is that cool? Okay. So everybody drink your coffee, you know, and sit up straight. All right. Listen, we can only understand the world around us and we can only understand our lives through our understanding of time. It's the only way we can understand our lives. Our lives are lived and experienced in a sequence. So you are born. You learn to walk. You go to school, you graduate, you get a job, you might get married and you might have a family, you might buy a house, you might move to another city, you might retire, and then you grow old. See, your life is a sequence of days, weeks, months, years, and events. Time is how we experience our lives because time is experienced by a sequence of events. Now, time is what keeps all of those things from happening at once. Like if there was no such thing as time, there would be no such thing as sequence, which would mean that everything would happen all in one moment. See, the laws of physics state that time cannot exist without matter and space, which means if God created matter and space, which we believe he did, that means he also created time. God is the one who put the sun and the moon in their place. He created day and night. God created time. This means that here's time, right? Here's God. God created time, which means time is here. God is over it. God is above and exists outside of time. That is what it means that God is eternal. You guys with me still? Philosophy lesson 101. This is important for two reasons. First, it means that God isn't changed by the times. He is unchanging. He is consistent and he is constant. We, however, 
are affected by the times we live in. This is why each generation has its own unique tastes in music and art and fashion and culture and politics and language because we're all shaped by the times in which we live. Every generation is different, right? We also, we're living in a pandemic right now. I mean, it has, and this has brought massive effects on our lives, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Each of us, everyone in this room, everyone joining with us online, you, your life has been changed in some way by your experiences in 2020. But God has not changed because he exists outside of time. He has been the same in every generation. And he, ex- and he is the same God today in the middle of this pandemic that he was before COVID-19 ever existed in this world. You see, we change because of the times that we live in. God never changes because he is eternal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God isn't changed by the times He is constant. So when all the things in the world are changing all around us, there's hope that we gain from knowing that God never changes. He stays the same. Secondly, if God is eternal, and this is what I want to focus on this afternoon, that means that God sees history, all he sees all of history at once. Meaning he sees every moment, each moment of your life with perfect clarity. He exists outside of time, therefore he can see all of time with perfect clarity at any moment. And so he knows and he sees the beginning from the end, and he sees each moment of your life with perfect clarity. And I want to give you two reasons why that is good news for you today, that God is eternal. Because one, God sees our troubles and his victories at the same time. John 16, Jesus tells his disciples, notice the verb tense shifts here. I have, he tells his disciples, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Do you notice the changes in verb tense there? Jesus tells his disciples, in this world you will, future tense, you will have trouble. Tomorrow, next month, in this world, you will have trouble, future tense. But take heart, because I have, past tense, overcome the world. And in one moment, Jesus spoke to them in the present about the dangers of the future, but he didn't say, you're going to suffer, but hang in there because I'm going to take care of it one day. (laughs) He said, I've already taken care of it. And you're like, if Jesus has, over, that, that doesn't make sense to our minds because we only understand our lives by a sequence of time. But God is outside of time and he says, take heart, you're going to have trouble but I've, uh, in this world, but I've over, already overcome this world. And you're like, if Jesus has overcome the world, why will we have trouble? Because we only see time from a human's perspective. But God is outside of time. He sees our trouble and he sees his victory at the same time. I hope those of you who are watching us online are nice and warm and toasty right now because it is freezing in this building right now. The boiler is being fixed. We'll be ready to rock next week, okay? For those of you who like to read, all right, do you know that feeling when you finish the last page of a novel 
and you think back on the story you've just read. All right, so one of the last thing, one of the last things I like to do before I put a book back on the shelf after I've read it is I like to flip through the pages one last time. And I'll see the chapter headings, and I might see a paragraph. I like to write in my book, so I'll see little notes I made. And I'll look, and I'll see these moments, these passages from the book that when I first read them, they made me so anxious because I didn't know how they were going to play out. You know what I mean? And so I'll, I'll, I'll look back on these moments where I, I was so nervous when I first read them because I was like, is the protagonist going to survive? Is the battle going to be won? How are they going to escape that situation or restore that relationship? How are things going to be put right? How, are the, how is this all going to be redeemed? And maybe there's a character in the story who's nasty at the beginning, but then they're redeemed somehow through the story. And as I thumb through the pages, I, I can look, after I'm finished reading the story, I can think of how frustrated or anxious I was in those parts of the story because I didn't know how things were going to play out. But now, after having finished the book, I know the ending. And I can look back on those chapters with a smile. And I can look back on those chapters without any anxiety. Or I can look back on them with a different vantage point because I know what happens. I know that the protagonist saves the day. I know how he or she gets out of that situation. I know how that awful character becomes lovable or how the seemingly hopeless situations become beautiful because when you finish a novel and you look back on it, you now stand outside of the story and you see everything all at once. But God, when he stands outside of time, that means he sees all of our lives all at once. He sees the end from the beginning. 2 Peter 3.8, one day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. God sees all of time is all in one moment for God. I've been reading the Chronicles of Narnia with my daughters every night before bed. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. Right now we're on the voyage of Don Treader, which is the third book of seven. And, you know, the story, one of the characters in Narnia is Lucy Pevensey. She's, uh, she's a little girl, and she's, uh, she's from England, but she's found herself in this magical world of Narnia, and there's all these adventures, and there's all these goblins and witches and things that are, frighten her and threaten her. And she, she's so scared. There's this one moment in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader that I just read with my daughters. There's this moment where she's so scared, she doesn't know how things are going to play out. And then Aslan the lion shows up. And Aslan is an all-powerful lion. He's the one who created Narnia. He spans thousands and thousands and thousands of years of Narnia's history. If you don't recognize it now, Aslan is a Christ-like figure. And he comes and goes in the story. And he comes and he stands before Lucy in this moment where she's so afraid. And she's so excited. She's, and she has a conversation with him. He encourages her. And she's like, oh, Aslan, I'm so glad you're here. And he says, well, I must be going. And she was like, oh, Aslan, no. And she starts crying. And Aslan says, don't be sad, my dear Lucy. We shall meet again soon. And Lucy, with tears in her eyes, she says, please, Aslan, what do you mean by soon? And he says, dear Lucy, I call all times soon. And he vanished. But he came back later in the story. You see, he sees Jesus, God sees all times are soon to him. And you're wondering, how much longer will this pandemic last? How much longer will I be single? How much longer will I suffer? How much longer will I live with the uncertainties of the world? God speaks in and he says, I will, I'm going to be with you soon and I'm going to put all things right. And we go, God, how long is soon? And he says, all times are soon for me. 
You see, what that means is that right now, as the eternal God looks on your life today, that means he sees your grief and your healing with equal clarity. He sees your trials and your joy on the other side at the same time. He sees your momentary affliction and the eternal weight of glory all at once. Look, we don't know the future, do we? And it's horrifying for us. It's scary. You don't know who you'll marry or if you'll marry. You don't know if your parent will survive the cancer or if your business will survive the pandemic or who will win the election or what your children will grow up to become. And all of the uncertainty in our lives is terrifying. But God is good and God is eternal. And that means he sees, and because he's eternal, he sees how it all plays out. And in his word, he promises in 2 Corinthians 4 that these light and momentary afflictions that we endure are preparing us, followers of Jesus, for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And you say to yourself, I can't even fathom right now what's going on in my life today or how God could ever make anything glorious or redeemable out of this situation. Well, you can't see it because you're not eternal. We're trapped in time because we're human. But God is eternal and he is able to see the tragedy of your current situation and the the fear and the sorrow of your current situation, but he's also able to see the healing on the other side of it at the exact same time. And God knows, and he is going to provide for you in the struggle, and he sees the day when all is put right and all is restored. No matter what may come, no matter what tomorrow holds, God has promised that he will be there on the other side to sustain you, strengthen you, and restore you if you are his child. So the call for us is if our God is eternal, we must put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. We've been singing a song lately here in church that says, when all I see is the battle, God sees my victory. When all I see is the mountain, God sees the mountain moved. When all I see are the ashes, he sees the beauty. And when all I see is the cross, he sees the empty tomb. God sees our trials and he sees his victory at the same time with perfect clarity. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is that God sees our sin and the sacrifice of Jesus at the same time. Have you ever been in a situation where you've done the thing that you said you would never do? Or maybe you've asked yourself, how could God ever love me? Or you've asked, how could God keep loving me? I keep failing him. How does he not give up on me? Here's how. And it's that God is eternal, and he sees each moment of history with perfect clarity all at once, which means that that moment when you are sitting in the back of a cop car, or that moment when you are crying in the living room after you've confessed to your spouse, or that moment when you are passed out on the floor, or that moment when you've done the thing you said you would never do again, or that moment when you've done the thing that you didn't even know you were capable of. 
when your greed or your pride or your lust or your insecurity or your laziness causes you to sin in that exact same moment that God, God sees you, in that exact same moment that God sees you exposed as a sinner and deserving of, of, of punishment and death, in that exact same moment, he sees your sin, but in that moment, he also sees Jesus with his arms outstretched, nailed to a cross, dying for you, his blood covering and cleansing all of your sin. How could God ever love me, we ask? Because with equal clarity, God sees your sin and Jesus on the cross at the exact same time. And in the mind of God, for those who have received his forgiveness, the sacrifice of Jesus always overwhelms his view of your sin. Always. When you are at your worst, God sees the perfection and mercy and grace of Jesus being given to you. Romans 5.8, that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When God, when you, when, when God, see, God is able to see your sin and Jesus' sacrifice at the same time. You see, because God is eternal, he sees it all, the beginning and the end. And because God is eternal, and because God loves us, he knows the outcome of your life. He has promised that the outcome of your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, is the very salvation of your soul. And he has promised that he's preparing a place for you and you will live with him for all of eternity. We have an eternal God who has given us an eternal gift in his son, Jesus. At the very moment that God sees the mess of this world, he also sees the redemption of this world. I think right now, you know, there's all this racial conflict going on in our world right now. And you know that God looks on it and he grieves. But you know that at the very same moment that God is seeing racial conflict, he's also experiencing every tribe, tongue, nation, and language unified around his throne, worshiping him, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. When God looks at your life and he sees the tears that you are crying today, he also in the exact same moment sees Jesus wiping those tears away in eternity. Listen, we have an eternal God who has given us an eternal gift in his son, Jesus. And so here's what I want that to mean for your life. We must live eternally significant lives. Many of us, the scriptures say that we are to set our mind on things above. But can we confess that this pandemic and this election and all the turmoil and all the fear and all the things in our lives have caused us to look on our lives with temporary fear? And so we're panicking and we're afraid and we're hoarding our resources. Remember when everybody was hoarding toilet paper? And that's funny, but many of us, we're hoarding many things right now. Many of us are hoarding our resources, maybe our finances, because we're, we're afraid of what tomorrow will bring. Many of us, we're living in such fear right now because we don't know the future. 
But I want to encourage you to live lives with eternity in mind, not simply this temporary moment. And I confess to you, as the pastor of this church, one of the things I've really had to repent and confess to God recently is that one of the attitudes I've had as a leader of this church has been like, God, we just need to survive this pandemic and we'll, we'll, it, we'll, it'll all go back to normal one day and then we can ramp back up and do the things that we do. And I've had to say, you know what? That's living with a temporary framework, but God has called me, he's called you, and he's called our church to live with eternity in mind. And so I, I'm telling you right now that, listen, as a church, I don't want us to be a people who are just content to ride this pandemic out and then get started when, things are, uh, when, when, it, when this thing's over with. This means I want us to continue serving our neighbors. I want us to continue lifting up the name of Jesus in worship. I want us to continue being generous with our resources to the poor and the vulnerable in our community and around the world. I want us to continue to be serious about reaching our neighbors. I want us to continue to be serious about building a future for the future generations in our church. And for your life, I want you to think about more than just surviving this thing. Many of you, I know you have. You have drifted from God during this time because you've become so enraptured by the fear of this pandemic that you've disconnected from the people of God. You've disconnected from the Word of God. You've lost hope that God is eternal and that He's bigger than this pandemic. And many of you are drifting. And I see it, and it grieves me. Let's live with eternity in mind. God is so much bigger than this pandemic. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God is calling us to not be stingy with our time or with our resources or with our, our dreams. We can dream for God to do big things in our lives. We can dream for God to do big things in the, the lives of our neighbors in our church because God is eternal. God is not defined or limited by a pandemic. And your future is not defined or limited by a pandemic because an eternal God has created you and he has put eternity in your heart so that you will seek him and you will seek the things that are above. There's a story of a guy named Brother June who wrote a book called The Heavenly Man. And he was a, a pastor in China, during communist China. And one of the stories that you'll read of him is that there was a lot of persecution in his ministry. And somebody asked him later on in his life, they said, you know, how did you endure the persecution? He said, he was arrested many times and taken away. And he said at one time, he said, he said every time I was arrested or every time I was being beaten, I would say in my head, Brother Yoon, you are a heavenly man. You are a heavenly man. And he said, I would have the courage and the strength to endure and thrive in the midst of the current moment I was living in, as hellish or hard as it was, because I knew that I was created for a greater world. Listen, you were created for eternity. God has set eternity in your hearts, not so that you'll get sad when you see a wrinkle on your face, but so that you will long for him and his purposes in your life. And his purposes in your life are for you to know him, to honor him with your life, to love him, and to serve him, and to pursue him. So let's do that. Set your mind on things above. Let's be heavenly-minded, eternity-minded people as we live, as we serve and worship an eternal God. Let me pray for you, church. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for... We thank you that you're eternal. We thank you that there's no beginning in you. There's no end in you. And God, you created us and you formed us out of nothing. But God, you have put eternity in our hearts. We know that there's more than this world. We feel it. And God, so we confess that sometimes we live only with this world in mind, but God, we know that there's more. We know that you've created us for more. And so God, give us the strength to live with eternity in mind. Give us the strength to live today knowing that there is nothing that this world can take away. We will have trouble in this world, but you have overcome this world. And so we live with that in mind. And it's in your name we pray.